to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. The Book of Life is our theme this month. If you didn't know, we are in the Book of Life. Uh, the Gospel of John is what the Book of Life is. And uh, I don't know as a, as, a, as a pastor if you can have a favourite book of the Bible. I don't know if that's allowed, but the Book of John is my favourite book. Uh, it's an amazing Gospel. Uh, the, the other Gospels, we call them the synoptics because these Gospels are very similar. You've got Matthew, Mark and Luke and, uh, and they're, all, they're all very similar. They, really, they, they talk about the history of Jesus Christ. So they talk about you know, how he came to earth, what he did for humanity. And so it's very good to get a historical record of Jesus, the history of Jesus. But the, uh, the book of John, it's a bit different. It really it reveals the mystery of Jesus. It reveals Jesus in how he came down and he came as fully God and as fully man. So Jesus was both fully God, 100% God. It wasn't like half and half. No, he was 100% God and 100% man. And so John, this gospel is amazing because it gives us the full picture of Jesus Christ, of man and God. It gives us a full understanding of who he is. So this gospel, when you read it, it's full of revelation it's full of keys. It is, there's a lot of symbolism, metaphors in this book, which re- reveal the whole picture of Jesus, what he's done for humanity and how he is God and he's the word become flesh. It's an incredible, uh, incredible book. So um, this is going to be a great month. It really is. I'm doing a teaching today, obviously, and then Pastor Andrew will be unpacking. Uh, it, it's all about Jesus. We're looking at life in the Savior. So uh, it's going to be a great month. Uh, it's interesting that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He is mentioned in the Gospel of John 24 times. And that's not a coincidence because uh, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, think about this, He is in uh, is, what is John chapter 16, verse 14. It says that His role is to reveal Jesus to us. So that's His role. He is to he sees Jesus, everything that Jesus won for us, and he's to reveal that, to show us that. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He reveals Jesus to you. He's mentioned 24 times in the book of John. The number 24 is a picture of heavenly government. So think in Revelation chapter 4, you've got the 24 elders, and they're all on the thrones. They've all got a crown, and they're worshipping the Lamb, aren't they? So it's a picture of heavenly government, heavenly reign. So that tells me something. That tells me that the purpose, one of the great purposes of the book of John is that when you read it, when it's unpacked for you, the Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus in your life and more of heaven's government will come and rest upon you. Is anyone excited about that? Come on. Is anyone ready for that this month? That's my prayer for you this month, that more of Jesus will be revealed to you, that you will get more revelation on who Jesus really is and it's going to, be, it's going to uh, reveal heaven's government to your life, that you're going to be able to release heaven on earth more and more in your life. That's my prayer for you, so receive that this month. All right, John chapter 1, verse 12. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So think about that. When you receive Jesus, when you believe in his name, you now have the right, the authority to be a children, to be a child of God. So it's the saving work of Jesus Christ, isn't it? That you come into the kingdom. Once you believe in Jesus as your saviour, 
you come into the kingdom and you are now a child of God, aren't you? You come in. It's like all you weren't, now you believe and you are. It's the saving work of Jesus Christ. So, so the Apostle Paul talks about three levels in the kingdom. He says we're children, we're sons and daughters, and we can be fathers and mothers in the kingdom. And so I'm talking about the first level today. I'm going to talk about life in the Saviour. It says when you believe in Him, when you believe in His name, when you receive Him. And it's interesting that the Gospel of John, it gives Jesus a lot of different titles, a lot of different names. And so I'm going to unpack a few titles today for you, which refer to the saving work of Jesus Christ, which refer to the work He's done so that you can be a child of God. And this is going to release great wisdom and revelation for you today on how to live as a child. Because many people come into the kingdom and they're children, but they're not believing. They're not living like children of God on earth. They come into the kingdom, but they're not leading a transformed life. And so this is such an important level to get right. This is the foundation for you today. Amen. Are we ready for that? I'm ready. I woke up this morning and I, and I said to Beck, there is a, there's a fire within me. I've got a lot of energy today. So, uh, so it's my job to inspire you. All right, John chapter 1, verse 29. You can turn with me there. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, this is John the Baptist, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Make sense? Good. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony, which is important. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. So we see in this chapter, Jesus comes along. He's at the Jordan. He comes to John the Baptist. And John says, look, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of of the world. And so this is the this is the first thing. This is the first role as Jesus as our savior is that he is the lamb of God. Amen. Yeah. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So that tells me if you want to fully function as a child of God right now, you need to believe and receive Jesus as the lamb of God. Yeah. The lamb of God taking away the sins of the world. That's talking about how he destroyed sin's grip, sin's power over humanity. So think, uh, uh, John is talking, there's a whole Jewish audience there. So immediately, the, the Lamb of God, they'd be thinking the Passover in Exodus chapter 12. You've got the Lamb and uh, God comes to the Israelites and they're under oppression, aren't they? They're stuck in oppression. They're stuck in slavery in Egypt. Not a good place to be for 400 years. They're stuck there. And the lamb, in Exodus chapter 12, God says, I want you to take a lamb. I want you to take this a, a male or, or a male, a goat or a sheep, one year old, and you're to slaughter this, put the blood on your doorpost. That would have been fun, wouldn't it? And, uh, and you get this lamb, then you're meant to eat it, each household. And what will happen is this was a tenth sign that delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. It brought them from bondage to freedom because when death came, it did not affect the Israelites. And so the Egyptians were forced to let them go. So they go out, all of a sudden, they've been stuck in slavery for 400 years. They've been stuck under under the yoke, under the bondage of the Egyptians, and bang, they're free. Amen? Amen. 
And so this is what John is referring to in Jesus. Think about this. Romans chapter 5 says that from, uh, this, because this is a picture of what Jesus has done for humanity. Romans chapter 5 says that from the fall of Adam, so Adam's original sin, to up until Jesus Christ, death reigned. Death reigned. What does that mean? How does death reign? Well, it means that when Adam in the garden, when the original sin, there was a spiritual death. So there was a spiritual death in him. And what happened is the power of sin and death, the curse, came to earth and it entered into humanity. So that means every single person up until Jesus Christ, death reigned in their life. That is why it is so important on this testimony of John the Baptist that he says that the Spirit came down and remained upon Jesus. That tells me firstly that Jesus was sinless, but secondly that tells me that Jesus had a perfect, holy and righteous nature. That's so important. So you look throughout the whole Old Testament and the hand of God, which is a picture of the Spirit of God, would come upon people like Gideon and Samson and they would do mighty works. But what would happen? It would never remain. It could never remain upon them because they had a sin nature within them. Death was reigning. And so what Jesus does is he comes as the sinless Lamb of God with a perfect nature, the Holy Spirit remained upon him. That word remains the Greek word menon, and it means to abide, to make his home in. So that's what the Holy Spirit did with Jesus, remains upon him. And then Jesus goes to the cross and he takes all our sin. He's the substitute on our behalf. He goes to the cross, goes down to the grave, and he says he took sin and death captive. He took sin and death captive. He rose again, amen, to resurrection life, and now he is the firstborn of a new creation. That's why it's your faith in Jesus Christ that enters you into the covenant with God. It's a new covenant. God's covenant is not with you or me. God's covenant is with Jesus. That's why you have to be in Jesus. We are saved by grace through faith. So that means your faith enters you into the covenant. Amen? And so that's his work as the Lamb of God. It's incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful what Jesus has done. So think about this. When you believe in Jesus as the Lamb of God, this is what happens. Like Paul, you can now say, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. You've been crucified. You've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ that lives in you. The life you now live in the flesh, you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave his life for you. Amen? Amen. So that means Romans chapter 6 says you're united with Jesus when you believe and receive him as the Lamb of God. You're united with him in his death and you're united with him in his resurrection. Think about that. You're united with him in his death and you're united with him in his resurrection. That means that like Jesus, you're dead to sin. You're literally dead to it. Paul says that's why you consider yourself unresponsive to sin. You're dead to sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a slave to righteousness. Why? Because you've got a new nature. You've got a perfect nature living within you. Come on, I'm reminding you of this today. Some people need reminding. You need to be reminded that you're no longer a slave to sin. That means you're no longer under its power, its dominion. You're no longer under the slave. You're no longer a slave to guilt, to shame, to condemnation. You're set free. Amen. You're set free. You've been redeemed. You're a new creation. You're perfect, holy, like Jesus. You're in Christ. 
I don't need to explain that. That's what it literally means, is you're in Christ. Galatians says you are clothed in Him. So when God looks at you, He looks at Jesus. And this is so important to understand. As children of God, you cannot function properly as a child if you don't understand Jesus as the Lamb of God, that He's given you a perfect nature. You can't. You can't do it. Uh, I remember when I was a youth, and I just I didn't understand I didn't understand this. I didn't understand Jesus as the Lamb of God who destroyed sin's grip in my life. And so I would walk around, and uh, you come to church every Sunday, and maybe I sin that week. They do an altar call, and I'm like, oh, I better jump up. You know, I'm like, I'm in the kingdom, out the kingdom, in the kingdom, out the kingdom. You know, it's like I didn't realize that being born again literally meant being born again. It's a rebirth. Yet, for some reason, uh, part of the church, the broader church, has taught for so long that being born again means you're born again, but then if you sin, then you're not born again, then you have to get reborn again. Make sense? I'm glad you said no to that. Whew. Far out. So when we believe and receive Jesus as the Lamb of God, I mean, I, could, I, sh- I need to move on from this point, but I get passionate about this. Um, when we believe Him as the Lamb of God, we believe that we know we receive Him. Yes, Jesus, we now have your perfect nature, your perfect righteousness. That's why we are children. There's no longer any condemnation. Amen. You saved us. You're our Savior. We come into the kingdom. We are secure and safe in the Father's arms. Why do you still sin? As my nephew would say, it's because you're a goose. <laughs> you sin because you're, Paul says you're, you're, you've been set free, but don't use your freedom to be self-indulgent. So, for instance, you're free, but you sin because you're not spirit-led. That's why that's the renewal of the mind that comes in. You, you, you sin because you're being led by your flesh and your mind. That's where your soul has to come into alignment with your spirit. And that's when we become spirit-led people. Amen. So you're set free. Everyone say, I'm set free. free. Thank you. Good. All right. So live as children of God. This scripture tells us we first believe and receive Jesus as the Lamb of God. John chapter 9, verse 1, if you can move with me there. This is a good one. I'm excited about this one. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. So this is Jesus. He sees a man. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You know, it's interesting that that we always want to play the blame game, isn't it? That whenever we see things in the world, whose fault's that God? Who sinned? What's going on here? But Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. That's good. Maybe God says, stop focusing on the sin of the world and start bringing the power of God to the world. Amen? Just a thought. Night is coming. Oh, sorry. As long as is day, we must do the works of Him who sent me. We're in verse 4. Night is coming when no one can work. So that's referring to Jesus when He died on the cross and the three days until His resurrection. That was the night when no one could work. Except Jesus. He was working down in hell on our behalf. Amen? While I'm in the world... I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. 
I mean, there's a lot I could say there. Anyone need healing in their eyes? <laughs> Pastor Andrew told me before he's happy to spit in the dirt outside and anoint your eyes. You're happy to do that, aren't you? Absolutely. So come on, everyone. It's an interesting way to heal someone, isn't it? And it's because this passage, it's an incredibly important picture of what Jesus has done for humanity. So he comes to a man born blind. And he sees the man and he says, I want to heal this man. I am the light of the world. I want to heal him. He spits on the ground, makes some mud, anoints the, guy, the man's eyes. And think about it. We, we never really stop and think, usually. But he has to go to this pool. So how's he going to get there? I mean, is someone leading him? We don't know. So he has to have a bit of faith and belief, doesn't he? To be able to go find this pool called Scent. And, uh, and this is an important picture for us of what Jesus has done for humanity as our Saviour. He is the light of the world. He's the light of the world. That's the second title. So to function as a child of God, we must believe and receive Jesus now as the light of the world. This man was blind. And it's a picture of how humanity was in spiritual darkness. We need to see. We need to come alive in the Spirit. That means we need to be healed. Think about this. Jesus spits on the ground and it comes, it's the spit, the saliva coming out of Jesus' mouth. It's a picture of the Word of God, Jesus, who came into humanity. The ground, man was made from the dust, weren't they? Weren't we? Made from the dust. So it's a picture of Jesus who became fully God and fully human. And he comes into humanity and he sees that we can't see. We're in spiritual darkness. He sees that. And, and this man, he's born blind, he anoints the man's eyes. That's a picture of Jesus' death on the cross. Is that his anointing, his power, his sacrifice is available for every single person. Not just a few, every single person. But they have to go wash. You have to believe. You have to go believe, have a bit of faith that he goes to the pool called Sent. So you have to believe that Jesus was sent by God as your Savior. Amen. We need to believe that Jesus was sent by God as the light of the world. This is a powerful picture because think of the blind man. All of a sudden, he's restored. Blind from birth, now he can function as a normal person, can't he? Think about it. Now he can, he's never had a wife. He's never had children, I wouldn't think. He's never learned how to, you know, do all the stuff you can do. Just function in everyday life. Now he can see. There's a miracle. He can see. And that's what Jesus has done for us as the light of the world. He's come into humanity and he's given us light. He has given us spiritual sight. So when you believe and receive Jesus as the light of the world, all of a sudden you can see. Your spiritual sight is restored. Amen? Amen. Your spiritual sight's restored. You can see. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 says that we have come from the kingdom of Jesus. He's translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That means he's brought us out of the domain of the enemy where there's blindness. People who aren't connected to God, they're deceived by the enemy. They're in lies. There's blindness in their eyes. They're not connected to God. They're stuck in darkness. They've got no purpose. They don't know God's plan for their life. They're stuck in darkness. They're walking around clueless. But people who are connected to Jesus, the light of the world, you can now see you've been brought into the kingdom of God. Amen. You're a child. You can now see. Children need to see, don't they, to function properly. 
You need to see. You know, uh, Beck and I, we went on a great holiday at the end of January. And, uh, and Beck tells me I tell my stories too long, so I skip all the little details I try to. Um, <clears throat> we went on a holiday and we were in One Thaggy. And I don't know if you've ever been to One Thaggy, but you've got the, the mines there. And, uh, and some person thought it would be a great idea that we take a tour of them, of these mines. And it's about, you can go 100 metres underground and, uh, and think about this. Think, you, this, this little mine, like, I'm pretty tall. I had to duck the whole way. And we're going 100 metres underground. And for a man who doesn't like spending about 20 seconds in a dark closet, it was a miracle that I actually said yes and went in. And so the tour guide takes us down in these mines, cold, wet, and the lights are on, thankfully. Thank you, God, that the lights are on. And all of a sudden, here's a great idea. He says, I want to show you how dark it is. I want to show you what it's like down here when the lights are turned off. And I was thinking, oh, Lord, this isn't good. He turns the lights off for about 10 seconds, and it's pitch black. I mean, it's the, I can close my eyes right now, and it's blacker than that. I cannot see my hands in front of my face. I have no idea where anyone is. I'm like, Beck, where are you? Are you still alive? It's not the rapture, is it? I'm thinking, far out. Is everyone gone? What's happening? Uh, there's no light. I don't know where to go. If the light stayed off, I would have no clue how to get out of that mine. I'd be cactus. No clue. All of a sudden, the lights switch back on. I'm like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. I can see. I can see. And see, that's what Jesus, it's a good illustration, isn't it? This is what Jesus has done as the light of the world. See, humanity were in darkness. So when you don't believe in Jesus, before you were a child of God, you were in darkness. It's like you're in that mind and you're groping around. It's like the blind beggar and he's got no idea. He's a victim. He's got no clue what to do in life. He's thinking, I'm going to go do this. Yeah, I'm going to work, get a house, get a family. But... There's no purpose. There's no God-given purpose, you know, led by the Holy Spirit. And so there's no light spiritually. And so people, they're in darkness. They're groping around. Bang! It's like automatically when you believe in Jesus as the light of the world, boom! The light comes on and you can see. Thank you, Jesus. You can see. Someone received that. Somebody should get excited about that today. That's why Jesus reveals himself as Jacob's ladder. In John chapter 1, verse 51, he says to his disciple Nathaniel, you will see heaven open and the angels of God, or the messengers, ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. What does that mean? It means that through Jesus, as children of God, heaven is open up to us. We now have spiritual sight. You can now bring, bring heaven's realities down into your reality right now on earth. So this is what happens. Just quickly, when you believe in Jesus as the light of the world, you learn to operate in the kingdom of God. You can learn how to hear his voice. You can now live like your father. See, it's funny how we we expect the world, we want the world to be righteous, we want the world to do all these perfect things. But if they don't know God, if there's no spiritual sight, then how can they? they? They can't. That's why we go, that's, and, and just, that's why when in the seven mountains, that's why you're meant to go into the mountain and you're meant to bring God's spiritual sight into your workplace. 
into these areas. And so people will see the light of the world living in you and they'll be like, there's something different here. I want that. I want that. That's what we do with the seven mountains. We're not talking about that today, so I won't get into that. All right. You have full access to the revelation power and realities of heaven. You now have the mind of Christ. Amen. You have direction in your life. You can now see. You have spiritual sight, restoration. You can see God's plan for your life. You can see your future. There's a prophetic anointing upon every single person. Not everyone has the office of a prophet. Not everyone has the gift of prophecy. But Paul says all can prophesy. That means that you are all prophetic. You, can all, you, can all, you all have spiritual sight where you can see God's plan for your life. Amen? And that is incredibly important as a child because a child needs direction, don't they? Uh, good fathers don't keep their child in darkness and give them no direction. Spiritual sight. And, and lastly in this passage, look at... Uh, we're in John 9, and, and I'm not going to go into that because we don't have time. But uh, after this, this man, there is a lot of contention and resistance around his healing. There is an incredibly... The Pharisees aren't happy. There's people who really aren't happy that this man has now received his sight. In fact, Jesus has to go back to him and say, do you believe in the Son of Man? Are you still believing? Do you still believe? And so that tells me something. That tells me that even when you come into the kingdom as a child of God, that the light of the world now lives in you, you have spiritual sight, but there is a constant battle over your spiritual sight from the enemy. That's what that tells me. That there is a constant battle... What does the enemy want? He wants you to walk in a veil. So even though you have spiritual sight, he wants to deceive. He, he wants to deceive you. He wants to lie to you. He wants to make you sure that you still think you're blind. He wants to make you sure that you can't see. Are you really healed? Do you really have spiritual sight? Are you really prophetic? Can you really see God's future for your life? So the enemy comes to you to try to keep you in darkness, even though you've got the light of the world in you. He wants to chuck a veil back on. And so this tells me that he wants to get you, Jesus says, do you still believe to the blind man? He can now see, do you still believe? And so that tells me that when we stay in belief, when you receive Jesus as the light of the world, when you stay in belief, I can guarantee you, you your spiritual sight will begin to function properly. You'll begin to see and have direction. The enemy wants to get you in unbelief. He wants to get you out of the realm of faith. So you'd be like, oh God, i got no purpose, direction. He wants, to, he wants you to be a victim. But, uh, but the blind man who had his sight restored, he was no longer a beggar. He was a victor, amen? He could function properly in the kingdom of God. And so that's so important because we see people and, and, and it's like their, their spiritual sight, they don't have much faith in that. And so they go back to being a victim. Children of God, but they're going back to being a victim. Where's my provision? Where's Holy Spirit? I can't hear you. What's going on? No, no. You're a child. You can hear your father. You can hear his voice. You, you can hear heaven's language. Amen. You can see in the realm of the spirit. You've got the kingdom of God. You've got his principles and you operate in those and it begins to exercise your spiritual sight by faith. Amen. Amen. All right. So to function properly as a child, we need to know that our spiritual sight is restored, that Jesus, you're the light of the world and you have helped me to see. I'm not blind, I can see. We're coming into our third point now. John chapter 15 verse 9. You can turn with me there. 
As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Okay, so Jesus says to his disciples that as the Father, think about this, as the fa- exactly as the Father has loved Jesus, so Jesus loved his disciples. So Jesus loved the world. That tells me the third thing. And, uh, and this title is not explicitly, explicitly named, but we can see it that, uh, that Jesus perfectly represented the love of the Father. He perfectly represented the love of the Father. That was, that was who he was. He came and he was the perfect expression of Father God. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do it. So it says in John chapter 5, verse 19. So that means Jesus literally never did anything except what he saw the Father doing, and then he let the Father move through him. And so that tells me the third point, to function as children of God, we must believe in the love of the Father. You must believe and receive the love of the Father today. You must believe that Jesus' role as the Saviour was to reveal the love of the Father to humanity. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that He sent Jesus. He didn't come in the world to condemn it. He came in the world to love the world. And now I'm going to get, not too theological on you, but uh, I've been pondering about this for a while and, uh, and, and I qualified it with Pastor Andrew. So it's okay, I can say this. Don't worry. You're all excited now, aren't you? You think, well, what's he going to say? It's not that big a deal. Uh, the Trinity has a very important function in your life. They've, they've got different roles, don't they? Yeah. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Different roles. But they're still all one, aren't they? Yeah. They're, they're different functions, but they're all one. And so this is important when it, come, when it comes to understanding the love of the Father because often... When people come to God, they begin to separate God. So often I find that people will relate separately to Jesus. We relate, you know, Jesus, oh, he's a a good friend. Yep, Jesus is my friend. I can relate to Jesus. He died for me. You know, you can relate to Jesus, can't you? He's great. Came and died for us. We can all relate to Jesus. He's a good friend. We've got the Holy Spirit, and he's a bit more mystical, the Holy Spirit, isn't he? You know, the breath of God, the power of God. You know, where is he? Oh, we don't know. He lives inside of us, but I can't see him. He's invisible. So, you know, but the Holy Spirit, so we all, we can get the Holy Spirit a little bit. But then when it comes to the Father, all of a sudden, it's like there's a disconnect with people. All of a sudden, people think that the Father is different from Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so we're children of God and we relate really well to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to the Father, we think, oh, maybe God's angry with me. Or maybe the Father's angry. Well, maybe he's not happy with me today. Or oh, he can be a bit of an angry father. We see the Old Testament, you know. And so this is how we tend to uh, function in the Trinity. I've got Jesus, my best friend. I've got the Holy Spirit, who is the power of God. And the Father's up in heaven. And uh, I don't know what he's doing. God, what are you doing up there? Father, what are you doing? And that's, that's how we tend to function. But, and so think about this. What does a child need to grow and mature? Most of you, a lot of you have children. It needs the love of its parents. It needs love. Love provides, love protects, 
Love grows a child's identity, doesn't it? A child, you look at children who, who grow up and if they haven't received love from their parents and particularly a father as well because a father is very important with identity, if they haven't received that, they can be broken, they can grow up and they can be very harmful, can't they? They can hurt people. And so to think, if, if you want to live as a proper child, if you want to live and function as a whole child of God, you need to believe and receive that Jesus perfectly expressed the love of the Father. It was perfectly in Jesus. So when Jesus went to the cross, that was the Father's love. So when I say, God, do you really love me? Father, do you love me? He says, yes, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. See, we separate it. And then we, we and here, here's the point, here's what I was talking about. Because we get to the cross, right? And we think, okay, is Jesus on the cross? The Holy Spirit, well, he must have been up in the clouds somewhere, just chilling. And, uh, and the Father was in heaven. And so we separate them. You cannot separate the Trinity. That's heresy. But we get to the cross. Jesus is on the cross. Oh, the Father looks away. Oh, he's separate from Jesus. No, no, no. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, God was in Christ reconciling himself to the world. Hello. Come on. It says in, in uh, Thessalonians, one of them, but uh, it, it says that the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus in bodily form. So when Jesus was on the earth, he was the Father, he was the Son, and he was the Holy Spirit. He wasn't just Jesus. It's so important that we get this because as children, we need to learn to relate to the Father, that he's a loving Father. You're safe and secure in his love. That what Jesus did at the cross, the, same, the exact same love that drove Jesus to the cross, it was the Father moving through Jesus. The Father loves you just as Jesus loves you. Come on. Someone getting this today, someone should be excited because I can see that there's people and you believe that, oh, I haven't, had a, I haven't been a very obedient child this week, I haven't been great, and so you think that the Father's angry at you. Or, or you know, you've done something and then, and then you get on your knees and you're like, oh, God, oh, please forgive me. And it's like, no, no, He loves you. He loves you. Just as, as the Father sees Jesus right now, as the Father sees Jesus in heaven and He looks at the Son, and he loves the son so much. The father is incredibly pleased with Jesus, isn't he? And that's how pleased he is with you. He says over every single person today, over everyone listening on Facebook Live, over everyone who listens to YouTube during the week, he says over, over you that you are his beloved son or daughter in whom he is well pleased. Amen? Amen. And so this is what happens. When you believe in the love of the father... You grow in identity as a child of God and you become obedient. You learn to become an obedient child, don't you? See, look at what Jesus said. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So Jesus loves us first. We got that? He loves us first, doesn't he? We didn't first love him. He first loved us. All right? As the Father has loved me, so Jesus has loved us. Now remain in my love and keep my commands. Now remain in his love. So we, we, religion switches it around and religion says, okay, I'll keep the father's love. I'll be an obedient child and then he'll love me. I'll keep his commands and, and, then, and then God's going to ple- be pleased with me. But no, no, Jesus says first, the father says, no, I've loved you and it's his love for his children 
that enables his children to become obedient. See, so that tells me that whenever I see someone who's stuck in sin, a child of God who's stuck in sin, whenever I see someone who, you know, gets offended or they get bitter about something, or, you know, whenever I see children of God and they're not living in harmony and unity, all I think is that person hasn't received a revelation of the love of God for them. Because it's the love of God that empowers you to be obedient. And maybe that's someone here today. You're thinking, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying, I'm doing my best, I'm doing my best to follow Jesus, to follow God, but I'm stuck. And you just need a greater revelation of the love of God, my friend. You just need a greater revelation of the love of the Father in your life that He's pleased with you just the way you are. You have a perfect nature, you're righteous, you're holy, and He loves you. He loves you. Come on. Think of a child, children who know they're loved, they're prosperous, they're safe. They don't hurt others and they learn to function and grow and take their role in the family, uh, in the family household, don't they? Th- think of this in the church. Children in the church who know they're loved, they're safe people, they're whole and they learn how to function in unity within the church. They don't bicker, they don't get offended, they don't disagree and, and then all of a sudden some little disagreement and they're like, oh, that's it, I'm gone. No, no, no. The love of the Father brings wholeness to you. It teaches you to function properly as a child. Amen? Amen. Come on. Look, see, when a child isn't loved, what is there? There's a lack of love. Sorry, there's a, there's a lack of self-esteem, isn't there? They're fearful. They're insecure. They're looking for it everywhere else. Drugs, alcohol, money, all this stuff. That's what happens when a child isn't loved. And so it's so important because... The enemy, he's the master orphan, and even though you're a child of God, he wants to keep you as a spiritual orphan. And so there's a lot of spiritual orphans running around, and yes, they're, they're saved, they're, they're in the kingdom, but they create havoc. A lot of spiritual orphans, they're scared, they're fearful, and so it's very difficult for them to, to come under leadership, it's very difficult for them to come under authority, and they end up being the lone wolf. But we need the church family, amen? God's love allows you to operate within the church family. It allows you to operate in unity. And so think as a child of God in His kingdom, He wants to see His children blessing each other, loving each other. And the way I do that is when I receive Jesus as the love of the Father. Yes, Jesus, your saving work on my behalf was the perfect expression of the Father's love. Have we got that? Whoo! That's good. So to function as a child of God, we must believe in the Father's love. God loves me, He loves you, and we get to grow in love. And then that's the next level. We think we're children, and then we go to sons and daughters. See, when we understand the love of God, we go to sons and daughters. We begin to operate in a greater realm of authority. And, uh, and that's what Pastor Andrew is going to touch on next week, which will be great. So think about it, life as a, as, as in Jesus, He's our Saviour, and so we believe in Him as the Lamb of God. Just remember this, I'm going to ingrain this into your mind. We believe in Him as the Lamb of God. I'm no longer a slave to sin, I'm, a, I'm under God's power, God's righteousness, I'm under His dominion, amen? We've received Jesus as the Lamb of God. Secondly, 
is that we receive and believe in Him as the light of the world. I have spiritual sight. You have spiritual sight. You can now see. You've got vision. You've got the eyes of an eagle. Amen. You can see in the Spirit. You've got heaven's realities open up to you. Like Jesus, you, you go into through Jesus and He's the connection from heaven to earth. And you pull heaven's realities, the kingdom of God, into your life. That's spiritual sight. And then thirdly, is that we believe that Jesus, yes, you are the perfect love of the Father. And we receive Him. We receive the Father's love and we mature as children. Amen? Amen. I encourage you, this is such an important foundation for your life. It's so important that we get this right. Learning to live as children in the kingdom of God on earth. Amen? Because we get this right and it's a stepping stone, stepping stone to greater levels of authority and God's government in your life. Yeah. So we reveal Jesus as the Savior. He's our Savior and we are children of God. Amen? Amen. All right. So we thank you, Lord. We receive that today, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your testimony in our lives that you show us and you reveal to us who we truly are. And so I declare over every single person that they will begin to hear the Holy Spirit's voice in Jesus' mighty name, that they won't doubt, they won't be fearful. But Holy Spirit, I thank you for your great faith at work within them right now and that they shall hear your voice and your testimony to them, that they are beloved children, that they have the light of the world, that they can see they're not victims, but you're a child of God. You're a victor. You're not blind. You're not in the darkness, but you're in the kingdom of light, he says today. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the Lamb of God, that you've destroyed sin's grip over every single person here. That sin no longer has dominion in their lives. And that's what sets them free. They've gone from bondage into freedom. We thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your work in our lives. Thank you that you reveal the Father and the Son to us. That you're fully connected. That we're not separate to the Father. That, God, you love us with all your heart. I just declare over some people today, that, uh, that you feel like there's been, a, like that blind man, that there's been a constant battle for your spiritual sight and that you're feeling like, I don't know God's direction. I don't know God's plans for my life. I don't, I can't, I don't know how to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You feel like you're in darkness, that, that even though you've been set free, it's like, well, God, I can't, I can't see you. But He would say to you today, the Holy Spirit says to you, that you are a child of God and you need to begin to wash your eyes with Jesus, with the Word of God. You, you need to begin to get in your Bible. You need to begin to be surrounded by the Word, that you begin to dwell in the world, that you become a living Word, that you get so full of the Word of God and His direction and His purpose and clarity comes. Your spiritual sight is opened up no longer, will you be, uh, no longer will you be groping around in the darkness, but the light switched on. The light switched on. And so I declare, receive that today in Jesus' mighty name. Over, every, over those people where there's been a battle for your spiritual sight, I declare clarity. I declare purpose. I declare heaven's realities being released 
in, in, your, in your life. I declare faith for the supernatural in your life. Some of you have been walking around and you think, well, it's never happened before, so I'm never going to see God move in my life. No, 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 don't believe that. The light of the world lives in you and He wants you to be a light to your workplace, to your family, to your church. He wants you to be a light to your sphere of influence. He lives in you. He's given you all the provision. You can now function as a child of God. And so receive it today. Believe that. Be full of faith. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I declare, mountain-moving faith rising up in your people, God. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your blood, Jesus, which breaks every work of the enemy, the power of your blood. And like the, and like the Israelites who had to put the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost, God, we receive the power of your blood, Jesus, in our hearts. And I speak over your people a fresh revelation of the power of God to bring spiritual sight to them. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord, if you're listening today on YouTube, Facebook, or even today here, if you've never made him Lord of your heart and you want him to be your father and you his child you can ask Jesus into your life today amen. amen it's the greatest decision you'll ever make is to allow Jesus to come into your life he loves you he's got an amazing plan for your life so the Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord you'll be saved call unto him today he'll come amen